Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. So they say hearts are a flutter this time of year. So show your breeding program some love with Embark, creator of the most scientifically advanced dog DNA test on the market with its specialized testing just for you. The Embark for Breeders Dog DNA Kit is an essential tool if you're planning your next litter or just finished your foundation bitch and you want the best for your breeding program. The Embark Dog DNA Kit not only tests for breed-relevant genetic health conditions for your purebred dogs, but it tests for traits like coat color and body size and genetic diversity using COI. After you receive your results, you will find an easy-to-download OFA submission report in your online profile. Very cool. Find out why responsible breeders trust Embark to enhance their breeding program. Right now, you can save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit. Just visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK to enjoy $20 off each Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and this is going to be a really cool topic, you guys. I have my friend Susan Patterson here. Susan is a breeder of Labrador Retrievers at Fenwick Labrador Retrievers. She runs a fabulous, fabulous Facebook group that she's going to tell us the name of, Susan. (laughs) It's the Canine Reproduction fertility and neonatal issues Facebook group. And there's a couple different groups that have similar names. So that's why I get them confused all the time. So, and with that, Susan has a ton of information and knowledge and resources about all kinds of various and sundry as it indicates uh, neonatal and raising puppies. And one topic that we hear about, but we rarely talk about as breeders until it hits us over the head is when we have a singleton. And I have had a singleton puppy. I in fact had two back to back, one week apart, frozen semen, surgical implant, singleton, C-section puppies a week apart. Amazing. Well, you were getting should have bought a lottery ticket. Oh no, that would definitely have not been a lottery ticket. It took me a year to pay off my vet bill. So anyway. <laughs> Boy, isn't that the way it goes? Yeah. So there are a lot of special considerations that come with singletons. It's very disappointing and frustrating and in some respects almost more difficult than a whole litter of puppies, right? Yeah. I'd rather have 13 puppies than have a singleton. I'd rather have seven. I'm not sure about 13. I've done 13, (laughs) 14. mm. But yeah, it's a lot of work. So let's start, as we said, soup to nuts. So what are some of the things that you know from your experience, and I can speak to mine, in terms of why do we wind up with a singleton? A lot of toy breeds 
will only have one puppy. So we can start there. But when you're talking about a dog like ours, a lab or a German wire hair pointer, a larger breed with only one puppy, that is less common. Well, if you start at the beginning, you're looking to maximize conception. And maximizing conception means timing. And that means using progesterone, using LH surge, et cetera, to make sure that you are doing your breeding when the eggs are ready to be fertilized. Without using progesterone, and I'm not kicking the, we've done it this way all the time with just using our stud dog's nose, but we don't very often have our stud dogs that we're using with us. We're shipping in frozen, we're shipping in chilled, or we're doing a side-by-side AI. So we don't want to waste that shot, so to speak. So what we want to do is make sure that we know, A, she's ovulated. B, we've waited enough times for the eggs to ripen, and then we do either our breeding, our AI, or our surgical so that we can maximize conception. And what I've found is a lot of times if we breed too late, we have the, oh, crap, I'm going to miss her. She's at 20. I need to breed right now. What do I, and I can't get the dog for another 48 hours. And chances are you'll get a very small litter by breeding very late or by breeding early, thinking that's when she's ready and she's not. So semen that is not extended will live five to seven days in the body and be able to fertilize eggs. But if the eggs aren't ready, then that's what we get there. So that's one of the big things. The other thing is placental sites. A lot of times there are bitches who have been bred maybe twice before, had some large litters, and there aren't really good placental sites for the eggs to attach. And so a lot of times the bitch will not have a full, what you and I consider a full litter, which would be three or more puppies. Mm -hmm. And then we also have dropping progesterone. So she gets pregnant, everything is going great. And if you're not monitoring her progesterone, let's say she has some cysts, they influence her progesterone and the progesterone drops and she starts to resorb puppies. And the body wants to be pregnant. So she's going to end up maybe with one, maybe two, if you're lucky. And we see resorptions for a variety of reasons. I know one of our patrons just went through this and they did all the tests that you can imagine. And basically the best thing they could come up with is a virus that affected the dam, but didn't actually express itself. So there's a variety of reasons and I've lived through all of them. (laughs) And I think you and I have talked together long enough to say, you know, if it hasn't happened to you yet, it will. will. The Mm. longer you breed, my famous saying is I never say never. I say never yet. Mm -hmm. Things that happen that you would not think about all of a sudden pop up and singletons are one of them. And Mm -hmm. like you, I've had them. They are challenging, but that's the beginning stage of things that cause, you know, the lack of eggs to be dropped, the lack of implantation, the lack of correct timing. Poor quality semen. I mean, I was going there. Right. In both of my most recent incidents, it was one was 25 year old frozen semen. The other one was newer, but also frozen. And neither of them particularly great samples, frankly. Yep. And so a combination of things can happen. Exactly. And going to the, let's blame the stud dog, because we know we like to do that. 
and I say that as a chuckle being both a bitch and a stud dog owner, I think it's really important for us to do frequent morphology on our Mm -hmm. dogs Mm -hmm. because that way when we are receiving payment for someone for a stud fee, we are guaranteeing them that they're getting a good quality semen sample Mm -hmm. in order to maximize conception. And I think that's really important for stud dog owners to do. And I think when we have frozen semen, it's equally as important to look at what the thaw rate is. Mm -hmm. And I would even be willing to buy two breedings Mm -hmm. if I knew the thaw rate was bad so that I could have a better chance for conception rather than saying, well, it's going to thaw at 50%. And yeah, of course I'm going to get, you know, I'd rather get those six puppies Mm -hmm. rather than that one puppy for the one stud fee, because there are no take backs on frozen. No. And in my instance, again, both of these two litters, it was all I had. The dogs were dead. I didn't have options. And so I know my timing was right. That I wasn't particularly worried about. One bitch had just had a litter of 12. So placental sites, perhaps in combination. The other bitch, it turned out, was never able to be bred again. She was only bred the one time. And she was spay and had like phantom puppies. They weren't even cysts. I mean, her reproductive system was a disaster. So we were lucky to get the one we got. So all these things happen. And I think that's really important. But then once you find out you've gone, you've done your ultrasound, you've done your x-ray, what have you, you really only have one puppy. Now we get to step two of this, which is that puppies and the presence of puppies is what triggers the hormone, the progesterone drop in order for the bitch to go into labor. And many, if not most bitches will not free whelp a singleton puppy. Yeah. My memorable singleton was one where I swore in a stack of Bibles to my 15 year old daughter that she was not pregnant. And I had a conference to go to. And sure enough, I get a phone call with squeaks on the other end that said, "Uh, mom, by the way, we have a puppy. So, you know, there's always something, but you're absolutely right. There are many times where, as you said, the majority of the time, you've really got to monitor that bitch. So this is, again, where progesterone timing, knowing your ovulation, because what most people fail to account for is placentas have an expiration date. And you can't go past that date or you will lose your puppy. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts. And possibly your bitch. That's true too. So knowing when the bitch is due is critical. Mm -hmm. So once you know when she's due, you can be watching for labor to commence. I would strongly suggest you plan a C-section as a backup knowing you're probably going to use it, but plan it as a backup, give your bitch the chance to whelp naturally, and then pull the trigger. The other thing that, especially a day before you think you're going to have to pull the trigger, you're going to want to be monitoring heartbeats because you don't want your singleton puppy to go into distress if it drops Mm -hmm. below 180, 170. I start getting really concerned. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, ultrasound is fabulous to check to make sure the puppy is ready to come out is gut motility. If you have gut motility, you know that the puppy is ready to come out. So you've got a couple things that you can be using as 
mile markers, whatever you want to call them. And that would be your progesterone tests. We call it running reverse progesterone. Well, it isn't reverse as much as it's you're wanting it to drop down below two nanograms mm-hmm. is what your trigger should be for labor. And then gut motility. My girls, I so seldom catch temperature drop, but it is something that, mm-hmm. you know, if your bitch is willing to be poked all the time, Mm-hmm. Go for it every three to four hours to check for temperature drops. So yep. you've got those three things. And then your final do not pass go is your date of ovulation because you know 64 days. Based on progesterone, progesterone not based test. on what you think. And no, that and not is based on when you bred. Yes. Because when you bred has nothing to do with that. Yes. And it's so important. You know, science has come so far in dog breeding since I first started almost 40 years ago. Same. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we're just old, but it does make a difference. And we've got to use the tools that we've got in order to maximize our success. Mm -hmm. And as much as you don't want to have a C-section, what you want is a live puppy, especially like you said, if it's the last of the semen, it's the only time the bitch is going to be bred. This is a continuation of important lines. So you need to do that. And then once you've had your C-section, you're into an entirely different world where you've got to save your placenta, save any amniotic fluid, soak a rag in it. I don't care because after a C-section, a lot of bitches don't, that maternal instinct takes 24 to 72 hours to kick in. And you want to give the bitch every chance. And amniotic fluid is like doggy crack. And the bitches, if you can save that for them, they will respond and it does make a difference. And I will say, Susan, again, my family started in Clumber Spaniels. I've had more puppies delivered via C-section than I have not, okay, in the span of 40 years. And so the biggest thing is really close supervision. This isn't go take a shower. This isn't drive to Walmart. This is you sit there next to the bitch for the first three days and that's it. And you hold yep. the puppies for her to potty them. You latch them on. You keep a hand on her at all times. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can remember the last C-section my mom had. I was lying next to her clumber's whelping box and the bitch was coming out of anesthesia. And all of a sudden I look and she's got the whole puppy's mouth in her head. She thinks it's a squirrel and she's about to squeak it. Ah! So, I mean, these are real things. And so hypervigilance to me is the most important piece that I say. Absolutely. And the other thing that I found is really good is using an adaptable collar mm-hmm. and an adaptable plug-in. Use mm-hmm. every tool you can. Yep. yep. All the calcium you can shove down or <laughs> all of it. Yeah. yeah. With singletons, I haven't had as much of a need for calcium, but I'm very aware of C-sections. having it. Yep. C-sections, calcium makes a big difference. Yeah. And oxytocin too. Nasal oxytocin Mm -hmm. makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And the next thing is balancing milk because you can very easily in a singleton, especially if you have a bitch who bags up, you can be flooded. And then what do you do? Right. Mastitis is a concern, right? So let's talk about mastitis. And you can get a puppy that's so fat, it will make itself a swimmer. So those are two pieces that we should look at when we're talking about milk. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. 
Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion cares passionately about pets and makes sure their policy has what it takes to serve you and your furry companions. In fact, they are the first pet insurance provider to cover certain health conditions associated with breeding animals through their specialized breeding rider. Their industry-leading coverage does not stop there. Trupanion's free breeder support program also allows you to send your litters home protected with an offer for a Trupanion policy. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. So in the milk, first thing I would do is the minute she comes out of anesthesia is I would put her on sunflower lecithin because what the sunflower lecithin does is it makes the milk less sticky, thins it down slightly so that it passes through the mammary glands much easier. And if there is a backup, it isn't sitting there going, oh, let's grow with some bacteria. Make some bacteria, right? (laughs) Yeah. So it does make a difference. And it's basically one teaspoon of sunflower lecithin for every 20 pounds of dog. So it's a teaspoon of only sunflower lecithin for every 20 pounds of dog twice a day. And that seems to work really, really well has for me, has for others, mm-hmm. keeping the mastitis down. And then you don't want to feed heavily because there's only one poppy. My experience has been that I do not increase my dog's feed with one puppy at all. I watch if they start getting a little thin as the dog puppy gets older. Very minimally. I usually do maybe half a cup more or something like that. Yeah. For a large breed, half a cup more is great. But any more than that, you're going to be creating more milk. And the goal is to let the body adjust. And you'll find the puppy's going to pick one or two nipples it likes mm-hmm. and the rest are going to dry up. Just keep an eye on it. Just Unless an you have on. one like mine who is such a piggy, he would go and nurse from every single Oh, jeez. What's such a pig? Oh, my gosh. So that leads us to the swimmer puppy. Swimmer puppy is, it's not just a condition of obesity, but that is definitely a... It's a contributor. Yeah, contributing factor. Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to have in your whelping box, lots of hills and valleys. You want to use pool noodles. You want to use rolled up bathroom rugs, anything to make that puppy work for dinner. And even if it sounds cruel and it's not, you pull the puppy away and yes. make the puppy crawl to the mother. They got to work for the food, They've man. I would start him clear the across the whelping box, clear across the room, and he'd have to crawl to get to it. Absolutely. And then you watch for it. You know, like you said, there are other swimmers where you have concave chests mm-hmm. and that is a physical deformity. And that is something that you and the vet will have to be working with because there are definitely challenges in that physically. It is a bigger problem than just a swimmer puppy. We had a Spinoni puppy. So this is separate, another singleton. And he had a great mom that was raising him and he didn't have to work hard and she would go to him and there was nothing that you could do to, you know, and he was, he couldn't move. Like he couldn't stand up. He couldn't walk. I had a litter of wire hair pointers at the same time. And I finally said, that's it. He's coming over here. 
I plopped him down into the litter of wire-haired pointers, and in less than 24 hours, he was on his feet running around. <laughs> yeah, the competition makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Right. They can't get it so easy. Absolutely. That makes a big difference. And if you do have a swimmer, there are some great YouTube DIYs mm-hmm. for hobbling. There's also some great little vests you can make out of tube socks to help pull their legs together. But the biggest thing is exercise. Yeah. The biggest thing I think is giving them challenges and not getting them so fat that they can't walk in the first place. Yeah. Easier said than done, I think. Sometimes. sometimes. Yes. Okay. So then the final piece of this that is absolutely, I think, maybe the single most important piece of it is that without very careful management, your singleton puppy does not grow up with the litter socialization that a normal litter of puppies does. It doesn't learn good dog behavior. It doesn't learn good people behavior. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that singleton is tough that way. And when I had a singleton, I was always making sure that I had another litter or a friend's litter that I could plop into for a couple hours, a couple days a week so that the learning of the check collar, excuse me, yeah, someone else is going to tell you no, you're going to get rolled, you're going to get, you know, Shoot on. challenged, you're going right. to, right, makes a big difference. I really think that that Spinoni puppy definitely been, because he literally was raised. He was about two weeks old when we took him away and said, no, that's it. He's got to come over here. And he turned into just a solid citizen because he was raised with six wire hair pointers. He didn't know he was a singleton. Yeah. And I think that's important. In my lab litters, I've raised some Akitas. I've raised Mm -hmm. some others that were singletons that came to me. And aside from the fact that the Akita owner was a little disturbed that her Akita was doing retrieves at eight weeks, you know, it's all good. It was pretty funny. So I think it does make an absolute difference. And as little puppies, what I do is make rice sock buddies. Mm-hmm. So they have to climb over something. The heartbeat puppies. The heartbeat puppies are amazing. Fabulous. Yep. I really like those. You've also got to watch to make sure that mom doesn't spoil him. The singletons I've had kind of get their own way. Both the mother dog and the mother breeder. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I confess to that one. But I've got a couple of my older girls who are fabulous aunties. And, you know, Junior gets a little out of hand. And they're the first ones to put the paw down and say, excuse me. No, (laughs) you're cute, but... And so I think, especially with Singleton, socialization with your older trusted dogs is very important. Yeah. I have a cat who kind of does that too, which is kind of weird, but he I had a pug for years that raised all my (laughs) wire hair puppies. She was fabulous. (laughs) All right. So what else in our long list? Oh, I think that kind of covers a lot. We've hit on the progesterone, we've hit on the timing, we've hit on the quality of mastitis, yep. the normal C-section cautions that people have, just being very careful for that, watching out to make sure that there isn't too much milk through overfeeding, mm-hmm. having labs who there is no such thing as too much food. I do understand <laughs> that. Yeah. 
food, of course we're hungry. Yes. Yes. We ate five minutes ago. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Exercise, making sure that the whelping box has plenty of hills and valleys. Lots of handling and lots of, like I said, my favorite thing that I discovered with the last litter that I had was the heartbeat toy. And it's a plush toy, battery operated. I want to say they're like about $20, give or take. Yeah, they're not expensive. Amazon, I think at some point in time, the company has offered breeders discounts for buying them if they need them. So it's worth investigating because it Mm -hmm. is a good product. Yep. I think that, you know, it's eight weeks of a challenge finding litters and I don't care. It doesn't have to be the same breed. Mm -mm. It just has to be similar sized so that they can get a little bit of pushback and a little bit more socialization. And that means going out of your way a couple times a week, you Mm -hmm. know, to do this three or four Mm -hmm. hours, give or take, will make a big difference in socialization. And like we had, if you have someone that is a trusted friend, just plop your singleton into their litter Yeah, because that is the ideal solution. It is. But then for me, I also have to take into consideration the moms. So sometimes the singleton moms, depending on the dog, there's kind of a feeling of someone took my child. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be very cognizant of that if you place bait and switch kind of a deal. So sometimes it's worth inviting two others from another litter over. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people like to have two litters at the same time Mm -hmm. for this very reason, Mm -hmm. so that they can juggle puppies. If the puppies are born within four or five days of each other, you could do that pretty easily. And that's not a bad way to go. Although having just had two litters back to back, I will tell you that my sanity is not going to return yeah. for another couple of weeks. The older we get, the more difficult that particular process becomes. But yes, that is one of the ways in which the breeder community and our tribe, as we call it, is pretty amazing. It is. is we have that opportunity and the way that we can work with people. So good. I will include a link to the Facebook page because... Susan and all of the folks in her group are outstanding. Well, thanks. For those of you who are not already patrons of Pure Dog Talk, I would suggest joining our patrons group. You can sign up to be a patron on the patrons page. Susan is a patron as well. I am a patron. And I was going to say it is a valuable resource, whether you have ever bred a dog and all you are is interested or you have been a breeder for a long time and you're looking for, as Laura calls it, a tribe to be with where there's a lot of support and it's a good place for people to be. I have found it invaluable personally. It's a great group. I really like these folks. It is. All right. Well, Susan, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy. I know you were visiting in Quebec today. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. You're welcome. Thanks, Laura. You guys, I am so excited. I've been wanting to create a live call-in show forever. So finally, I decided to just do it. (laughs) Dog shows, dog grooming, dog handling, dog breeding, you name it. Join the conversation live and get trusted answers to all of your questions. No more Facebook groups. No more 20,000 answers to the same question. Just solid knowledge. 
amazing. Start planning now. Visit the Pure Dog Talk Facebook page for a link to our YouTube Live Lightning Round with Laura. Be on the lookout for live chat opportunities, special guests, they'll be a secret, live calls from the audience, and more. Let's kick off the new year in pure dog talk style. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech book to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.